Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. All right, we are in the second part of our study on the book of James, and today we're looking at chapter 1, verses 9 through 18. So we're going to talk a little bit about doubt, and we're going to talk a little bit about the difference between trials in our faith and temptation. This is a great week, so settle in. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We've made it like over halfway through January. Yeah, that's crazy. I always feel like January is the longest feeling month. (laughs) January and February, they're just the worst. I think they're the worst too. I really do. They're the worst. It's cold and rainy and gross. It is a good time though to dive into studying the Bible, I think, or like you're doing, reading a good book. Yeah. (laughs) There's not much going on. Yeah. I'm also starting to read some more because obviously we're fresh on our New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Got to keep up with them. Yeah. So we are in the middle of our study on the book of James. We're going to break this down into what we think will be a six-week study. Don't hold us to that. There's a chance it's longer. (laughs) We're going to see how it goes. But last week we did a little bit of background on James and like kind of the history of where we are when we're reading this letter. We looked at chapter one, verses one through eight. And then today we're going to look at chapter one, verses nine through 18. So we're going to kind of go back over what we studied last week a little bit, but if you missed it, you might want to go back and listen to that. But Anna, will you start by reading verses 2 through 18. So we're going to read last week's verses and this week's. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flowers fall, and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers, for every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. I love this. And the more that I read it, it does sink in more. So here's just one reminder that I actually read in multiple of these studies. Whenever you're studying scripture, 
is so good to just read it again and again, sit with it and pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal to you what he wants to reveal to you. So mm-hmm. that's first and foremost. Don't take our words to the bank, take God's words to the bank. But yeah. um, before we dive into this, I'm just going to say the quickest prayer. God, we love you so much, and we are eager to study your word, to know you better, and to learn how to better walk with you. So will you reveal to us exactly what you want to show us, and would you draw us nearer to yourself? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, okay, so to kind of recap last week, we talked about, like I said, verses 1 through 8, James is talking to... Christians who are facing a lot of suffering because of their faith. They, because of that, we can assume are having like doubts about God or doubts about how good he is. So he's challenging them to a new perspective where they will not just look in the right now, but they will look with trust to God for what he's doing ultimately, that he's using different things in their life, good and bad, to shape them into the people and the creations, the perfect, complete people that he wants them to be. And that's part of what our faith and our walk with God is supposed to be. But we love verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. We love it because he's not looking down on us. He wants us to be needy for him. He wants us to talk to him as much as possible. But I think verse 5 is kind of funny because it says, if any of you lacks wisdom. I think James knows, and I think that deep down we all know, that we all lack wisdom. And we cannot do this without the power of God in us. And so it's just this reminder that as we're facing anything, really, but especially facing hard things that we constantly ask God for the wisdom and that he will give it to us generously. But there's a caveat about doubting. This is saying, as you're walking with God, believe the best about God. Believe what's true about God. He's holy and every good and perfect thing comes from him. And if he is testing your faith, like a good loving father, if he's like Like Anna was saying last week, if he's chiseling you into a masterpiece, trust that he's making you into something that he wants you to be. It's all about building our trust in God, truly, truly knowing and believing him for who he is. Yeah. Last week, we actually did not talk about doubt and we didn't talk about what it means to be double-minded. It's like having one foot in and one foot out with your faith. Like we have backup plans just in case his plan isn't good. Yeah. I mean, he kicked it off strong. (laughs) He's like, watch out, you might struggle. When you struggle, be happy about it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, oh, okay. Don't have any doubts. Right. So one thing we have to say, like as we go into studying this book, James, like Proverbs, is Mm -hmm. what they call a wisdom book. Mm -hmm. So he's giving us like, the highest standard. And we, God knows we are imperfect people. So we cannot do this perfectly, which is why it really hinges on that asking for wisdom from God. That brings us up to date. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about doubt and what it means to be double-minded. And we're going to talk about the difference between trials in our faith 
and temptation. So we're going to start this week with talking a little bit about doubt. This is my interpretation, but I don't think that God is saying never doubt, right? Yeah, I He's don't not, think so either. He knows. Here's the thing. So often in the Bible, I think we read things and we're like, oh my gosh, we're being held to this high standard and it's scary and it feels overwhelming, but we forget that God knows us better than anybody else. Yes. And he knows that we're going to stumble. He knows that we're going to fall. He kn- and, and he's there to help us and to pick us back up. And so you're right. I don't think he's saying never doubt or like you suck. Right. Yeah. I mean, we talked about this a little bit last week. In a lot of places, it's pretty accepted to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And, and in those places where it's culturally normal, the idea is the more you know, the better, the better you seem, like morally, the better. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it can be the opposite, where it's like realizing that you don't have it together, realizing that you don't know everything or really even anything. Like we can feel like we know a lot and God can still teach us so much about the things we think we already know. So I think that is one really important thing for us to learn as people who are following Jesus is that God does not expect us to be perfect. He wants us to come to him. Right. And he doesn't need us to know everything. He really just needs us to like have a desire to know him and obey him. I feel like more often than not, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know? me too. It's almost like you're you're discovering more and more, and as you discover it, you're like, oh, wow, there's a whole other land over here. Right. You know? So he's not saying, like, don't have doubts. I think it's a lifelong process of becoming more and more secure in your trust for the Lord. Yeah. I listened to a sermon from Tim Keller where, and this was very reassuring to me because you he seems- get royalties. I know. We, <laughs> Not that we should. make anything off the podcast. We don't. <laughs> we make nothing. But. <laughs> but he really should get royalties. He's such a good teacher. He's so stable. He's so knowledgeable. And so when he said this, it really, it made me feel good and it, and it gave some perspective. He said that every Christian that he knows has their foundation built like mostly on the rock. And then there's little areas all around the perimeter that are built on sand type things, like things that we put a little bit too much confidence in or a little bit too much like weight on in our lives aside from Jesus. And as circumstances happen, trials, just as life goes on and those things shift and move or are taken away, then our house, if we're talking about the metaphor, gets a little bit wobbly and we scooch our foundation a little bit more onto God and that that's kind of that lifelong process of of being sanctified is the church word but being made more and more able to trust in God and know him better and rely on him more but he's saying when you ask for that wisdom don't doubt that he'll do it like he is your one and only and best plan for getting through whatever it is that you're going through. And so don't make these contingency plans. Like if he doesn't answer, if you don't like his answer. And and he talks about being double-minded. And I think that's such a good way to describe it because 
part of your life is devoted to God, but the other part of your life is devoted to other things. Yeah. We all, he knows that we all will have things on this earth and in our life that we put before him and he's challenging us to make him our foundation first. I liked what you said about the pie, Anna. You should share that. Um, We're doing a Bible study with some of our leaders, and this morning, one of them, Mary Crosby, who leads the senior girls, she shared the analogy of like... um, we often try and just give God like a slice of our life. So if our if our life is a pie and it's all split up, we're like, okay, friends get a slice, school gets a slice, family gets a slice, maybe work gets a slice. And as a result, we just try and give God like a slice. Um, but the reality is that God wants to be the pie tin. Yes. He wants to be the thing holding all of the slices together, um, not just like one tiny aspect. So I think that's a really helpful image, like – especially if you think of a pie tin, like it's literally holding all of the ingredients together without it, everything would fall apart and like it would all be oozing out of the sides. So God wants to be a part of every single aspect of our lives. Um, if we let him, when we've talked about idols in the past or like, you know, things that we allow to become more important in our life than God, I think in our As You Are Bible study, we talked about, you know, the banners in our life, the things that kind Mm -hmm. of claim parts of our identity. God created each one of us with unique talents and gifts and interests, and he is not trying to take those good things from us. He's trying to help give us perspective on what will bring security and life. Right. We want security, and we feel like we can't find it in... Christ, but the reality is everything else around us is not secure. Like everything else changes. Yeah. Your your roommates are going to change. Your class schedule changes each year. Your family, like your friends are going to change. Yep. And even like when you get married one day, that person will change. Like we don't stay the same. Our personalities change. And the one thing that's constant and steady is... Jesus, but the world tries to tell us that that's not true. Like we try and find stability in all these other things, but they don't, they're not actually stable. It's, it's a facade. I love the contrast to double-mindedness when he says trials and testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness makes you perfect and complete. And another word for complete is like whole. Or singular, you know? So like the things in your life that are not exactly what you wanted, if you trust God through them and ask for his wisdom and guidance, it will make you less double-minded. Right. Okay, so verses 9 through 11 talks about basically a rich man and a poor man. And it might seem a little bit out of context or random, but I do think it actually ties into this double-mindedness thing because... A lot of us, as we're looking for security, lean on financial provision and money and that kind of stuff to make us feel more secure. That's not something we're going to dive into this week, but that stood out to me as like, this is random. And then I read that in a study where it's like, this is actually about being double-minded because if money becomes your security over God, 
right. then that's another way of being double-minded. And it's so easy for that to happen. Um, I love that all of that is mentioned right before he, in verse 12, talks about remaining steadfast under trial because I think it's in those moments when we're in trials that it can feel, at least for me, like those are the times when it's the easiest to doubt that God is good and that his plan is good. Um, And so we're going to kind of launch into that next, talking about the difference between trials and temptations because you might not think that there's a difference, but there's actually a really big difference. Um, and I'm not going to read the whole thing again, but 12 through 15 explicitly says that we're not tempted by God. And I think that that is so important for us to remember. And again, it's easy to think like, oh, well, trial and a temptation, like, aren't they kind of similar? (laughs) They both start with T. They both sound like hard things. Um, but think about it like, When we're given a test, like in school, you're given a test to see how much you've learned and to help you grow. Like when you're in a trial, when you're learning, when you're taking a test for a class, like that leads to growth because ultimately you learn like, oh, these are the areas that I'm falling short or whatever. Um, But temptation always leads to weakness. So trials lead to growth and to strengthening and temptations lead to weakening because they're drawing us away from God and away from so good. It's it's being double-minded in a way. Like it's tempting to find security in things that are not God. But that's that's going to just weaken us in the long run. We're told explicitly that God does not tempt us. And so I want y'all to hear that because I think that that's really important. But our trials can lead to temptation. And that's confusing. That feels like, wait, what? How? Like God leads us into trials, but our own desires lead us into temptation and a, honestly, a great example of it is in Matthew when Jesus is led into the wilderness to be tested. By the, it says the Holy Spirit led him in the wilder, into the wilderness to be tested. But then the devil is in the wilderness and he tempts Jesus. And so that's like, uh, for me, that's been a really helpful way to look at it is like God allowed Jesus to walk into this wilderness, but then like all these different desires met him in the wilderness yeah and as a result jesus was strengthened but like it doesn't mean that those temptations weren't there and so yeah like it's kind of like well what do we do with that you know (laughs) what do we do with the fact that we're going to be tempted that's really hard to hear i know it really is hard to hear so that's matthew 4 1 through 11 if anybody wants to go read that story about jesus being tempted in the desert but we have to remember that jesus was perfect, fully God. And so the way that he handled temptation is actually something we should look at and try to model ourselves. Like what he did was quote scripture back to Satan. And so just clinging to the truth, clinging to what we know Mm -hmm. about God, that's like one way to stand really strong through temptation. But I do love that James is saying like you're going to be tempted because there is sin in your heart and Satan will appeal to that sin in your heart. And it's yeah. within you, unfortunately, that is causing 
that temptation and it's not from God. And it's because we're all sinful. Right. I know. And it's like a lot of us, when we're trying to protect ourselves, like we're trying to defend ourselves a little, we're like, well, God, you know, these bad things are happening to me. There's no way that God is good. Or like these bad things are happening in life. There's no (laughs) way that God is good or that he has a good plan for me. And it's easy to believe that lie, but that is not the truth. And that's not the whole picture. A lot of times that lie is what can lead us to be deceived into temptation, you know? Yeah. Well, in a sermon I was listening to this morning, he explained that um, in verses 14 and 15, it says, each person is tempted when he is lured, enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, gives birth to death. And that imagery is is supposed to kind of be like a somebody being born, like birthed. Oh, yeah. Literally, like it starts as this like tiny little thing, and then it can become bigger and bigger and bigger if we don't try and handle it sooner. But like each and every. All sin starts as like a small desire, a longing for something that's not Jesus. But anyways, I think that's important to know is like, it's not bad for us to have these desires. Like nine times out of 10, like the desires aren't even bad, but it's what we, how we act on them. Like if, if the desire is security and so you're trying to find security by, getting more money or having the best friend group or whatever you see as security, like then that is wrong. But the desire for security is not wrong, you know? Right. We all feel all these ways and we're designed to look to God for them. And so when we look to other things in this world for them, we're just, we're misplacing our security. We're basically setting ourselves up to be disappointed The passage that we're going to look at next week talks about the person that looks in the mirror and then goes away and forgets what they look like. The mirror in this metaphor is the word of God. And James is basically saying the word of God is a place where you can find truth. God wants to transform you through the word. So if you read this and let it reveal things to you about your own heart and then you go away and forget it, that's the kind of stuff that leads you to being double-minded so it's just it's all so good the way it ties in together and the more I read over it repetitively I'm like oh it's sinking in even more you yeah you guys should also know like at this point Emily and I have read through literally (laughs) these first 18 verses yes yes. a million times so not a million but in preparing for the podcast we've read and reread them so if you're hearing us and thinking like what wait what I'm so lost (laughs) one we're not doing our job and we need to slow down and two just know that it go go reread it again and let the spirit work in your own yes and one thing that I did to sort of help myself internalize it was I went through and and created like a little outline of chapter one I wrote a heading for each what I felt like was a new subject and then I described it in my own words. If you need a little help getting started or knowing kind of what your own words would be, there's a couple of translations of the Bible that are in a little bit more plain terms like the message is a translation that is a lot more like straightforward and then there's also if you're looking online there's this translation called the easy to read version ERV. So that does a really good job of breaking it down to get you started in your own words. Hmm. But I really think that it's helpful. Another challenge we want to leave y'all with to 
today for this week is to pick a verse from these first 18 verses of James and work to memorize it. Um, One of the best things we can do, especially to fight temptation, is to memorize scripture. I think Emily said this, but Jesus, when he was being tempted in the wilderness, like he was equipped with scripture. And every time the enemy like threw something at him and tried to tempt, not literally threw, (laughs) but like threw a, a temptation his way, Jesus would respond with scripture. And so what better way for us to to model our lives after him and to try and hide the word in our own hearts. So we encourage you all to pick a verse. It can be anything. It can be one verse. It can be two. Um, Write it on your mirror for you'll see in the morning when you get ready. Write it on the uh, note card, put it on the dashboard of your car. Like just write it where you're going to see it and make it the background for your phone. I don't know. Um, But work to memorize uh, some scripture this week. And at the very least, like if you're like me and you're not very good at memorizing, write it someplace where if you haven't memorized it, you can just like keep reading it, keep it with you. Yeah. Maybe make it a goal of like you wake up in the morning, it's a note card by your bed, you read it. Before you go to bed, you read it. Yep. And it can truly be any verse. So there's not a right answer, whatever stands out to you and whatever you feel like, yeah, God's just putting on your heart this week to study. Like always, even if you didn't make it to the end of the podcast, still go to group or Bible study or whatever you call it. And um, just, yeah, have conversations with your friends about this stuff. And don't feel like you have to know all the answers. Just dive in. And I think that God will really use it in a powerful way in your life. Yes. That's all we have for y'all for today. We're excited to keep digging into James next week and we'll see you on Sunday. Bye. See ya.